So maybe we just need to take action sooner. And one of the ways that I really feel like parents can do that, that I really feel like is so beneficial, is be willing to ask your teenager what they need from you. Okay, welcome to the podcast Wild and Creative. This is your host, Sarah Marie Thompson from wildandcreative.com. I'm a creative lifestyle expert and soul guide, and I am here to interview all of the most amazing, wonderful people and also give you some really awesome information on just how to put together an amazing business, live a creative life, add more magic into your life, and all that other stuff, right? So that's why we're here today. Before we start, I do want to remind you about the Soul Circle membership site, and you can go check it out at bit.ly slash membership. It is an amazing portal of creativity, magic, connection, and intuition, and it is something that is going to help you grow and blossom in your business and in your life. So definitely check it out. You get one week free. Go to bit.ly slash membership, and you can grab your one week free there. Absolutely no obligation. So let's get into this episode. So thank you so much for joining us today. I have an amazing guest with me, Melanie Brown. Now, I'm going to try and introduce her as best as I can with all this information because she is a very (laughs) multifaceted person. So she is a mental health therapist and dealing specifically with families with teenagers over the last 10 plus years. She also is a very strong advocate for preventing teen suicide, which I thought was very, very important to to, um, add in here. But she's all about rebuilding and revitalizing relationships within the family. But then there's a whole other, other part of her that's all about energy work and healing allowing families and um, the children within families to really transform on a multitude of levels. So (laughs) I hope I introduced you okay, Melanie. Um, Please add in anything else if I have missed it. Well, thank you so much, uh, Sarah, for having me on. I really appreciate it. I'm excited to share this time with you. Um, Melanie Brown, I'm the owner of Healing Hearts and Homes, an organization that's focused on rebuilding and revitalizing family relationships, and really loving our teenagers back to life. Oh, I love that. That's awesome. So, okay, how did you get into this field? Because it seems that, yes, a lot of people can get into mental health, right, if that's something that they're interested in, but specifically, you really went in a a very focused direction with families and teenagers. So how did that happen? What happened there? Well, I originally got into the mental health field after I went through a divorce. You know, I was married for a long time to someone who was really emotionally, verbally abusive. And I really, I, I, I really wanted to help families in the process of going through divorce, especially supporting the kids. You know, divorce really impacts the children, the teenagers, and even young adults who have left the home um, when they're when their parents go through a divorce, it's really, really emotional and difficult for them to traverse. And so that's how I ended up working a lot with families. Um, The idea of getting to the point of teen suicide prevention, I kind of got into that niche um, about three and a half years ago. I actually lost a son to suicide. 
Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. I was, I was wondering if something like, if you're going to say something like that, because it's a very interesting, it's a very interesting focus to go into, right? And so there has to be something there that is connected on a heart level, right? Because or else you're not going to be the right person for that job. And so you obviously right. have really, really fell into um, a career for yourself that is very heart centered and, you know, there's a lot of heart behind it, right? Right. And I, and I have to admit, quite frankly, for all the moms out there, that probably for the first year or so after David's passing, that I really avoided going this direction. Because it's so heart-wrenching. Fair enough. To lose a child. And I, and I was concerned about losing anyone else's child. Mm-hmm. And what I really realized as I started researching and connecting with other people and gaining a greater and deeper understanding about this epidemic that's affecting our children, um, what I really realized was if I didn't do this work, I was going to lose teenagers. Hmm. So it's interesting your approach because you also do a lot of energy work and energy healing that you said that you probably comes naturally to you, right? You're a a born light worker and you've also just kind of added this into um, this field that you're in. So how has that changed the work that you've been doing as you have really been able to, I guess, um, you know, get a handle on your energy work and just really allow it to come to the surface? You know, I didn't really understand how that connected until about the last year. I didn't even really realize that when I'm working with families, when I'm working with youth that are really struggling, I don't just do therapy, right? That that my energy work comes into what I'm doing and and I really assist in shifting energy that creates healing in my clients on a very heartfelt, deep level. And I love that I get to do that, right? Well, yeah, that's incredibly important because, I mean, even with this focus that you're doing, this focus of your career, uh, I feel like you need all the good vibes you possibly can backing up this this information, right? So how, how have you felt that you have really tuned into kind of like the more energetic side of things of this career with people that you have worked with, um, you know, clients that you've had, how have you found that you've really been able to maximize your time with them through metaphysics? Wow. That's a heavy question. (laughs) Um, I'm very intuitive, very, very intuitive when I work with my clients. I make sure when I'm working with my clients that I am very intuitive and very connected. I spend time clearing myself of energy that's not mine so that I can connect into where they are and really help them shift the energy to a better vibration. Nice. Um, and so that's kind of the way that I work. It, it takes different modalities or different types of work for different clients. And I also really feel like and have always felt like over the whole last 10 plus years of my work with families and and youth that the clients who find me are intended for me to work with them. 
that I really, because of my particular abilities and my, my ability to empathize and connect with them creates a relationship that they specifically need to have the healing that, that they need to go through. Of course, divine timing, <laughs> everything in divine timing, everything in divine connection. So right. something I'm interested to know, and because I think that a lot of people that listen to this podcast are very creative, um, they're entrepreneurs, um, go-getters in the field, and I'm, I'm sure that you are definitely a go-getter uh, with, with, in your career, but how have you found the online world when it has come to the work that you're doing? Have you found it beneficial? Have you found social media beneficial? Have you found it easier to connect with people um, in this subject? What do you think about that just in general? You know, that has been a real interesting journey for me, as I'm sure it has been for you and for many of the other entrepreneurs in the social media realm, right? <laughs> that um, I think that I traverse the same kinds of struggle and issues that other entrepreneurs do but I have an added kind of struggle and that is that mental health isn't looked as mental looked at as mental health it's looked at as mental illness mm. that people really they think of, they still think about going to a therapist as like oh I only go do that if I'm a little crazy right right <laughs> right frustrates me so bad, right? So I have this stigma to push against and trying to educate people online about the idea that really um, it's about mental wellness. Mm -hmm. yeah. And if it's not embarrassing or scary or bad or negative or whatever you want to call it to go to a doctor, if you break your arm, or to go to a dentist if your tooth hurts, then why is it a problem to go to a therapist if you're emotionally hurting? That I want to kind of normalize that and create that kind of sense of like, well, that's just what you do. Mm -hmm. Because it is what you do. And so my struggle over the last 10 years, although I believe it's getting better, is that people avoid it until they're really, really hurting. Like, you wait to go to the dentist until it's a root canal, right? Right. Um, and I want to advocate for people coming sooner than that. So the interesting thing that I'm wondering about, and this is just kind of open conversation, obviously, but um, for your line of work, I mean, it definitely feels a lot deeper than than most things, right? It's a little bit, I'm not going to say it's darker, but it's a little bit deeper because it's a lot, uh, it's a lot more serious, right? The, the subject matter of what you, you are usually working with, with families. Do you think that on social media, um, there are people that are definitely willing to go deep like that and be open about it? I mean, I know that we often see, you know, the odd post and that kind of thing about, you know, uh, different subjects that are darker and deeper, but I'm wondering, do you think that social media is, um, a positive piece with your business or do you think that it is something that people are still not really wanting to fully embrace if this is something going on? I believe that we went through a period of time where we didn't want to talk about it because we were afraid that they would do it if we did. And in that way, it kind of relates to sex. <laughs> Teenagers, right? 
if you don't talk about it, they won't do it. Well, we were wrong about both of those, obviously, right? Right. And then we moved to a space where we talked about it, but that didn't really prevent it. And so we're, we're now kind of more actively moving to a space where we're having conversations about it in many different places and spaces. Mm -hmm. on social media, on media generally, in public places, we're having much more open conversations about it. And I don't know about you, but I'm the kind of person that um, I prefer talking on a more deep level. Mm -hmm. I d I'm not the kind of person that likes to just sit and talk about the weather. Like <laughs> I really, I want to have connections with people. And it's interesting that the research that's going on around suicide prevention really indicates that that's what we're all craving. Right. That people who are really struggling with staying in this life are, are experiencing this real disconnect from other people. We have gotten into a habit maybe of being too surface and we need to go deeper. Mm -hmm. So even on social media, I think the people who are willing to go deeper are just the people who are willing to go deeper. And, and it, it's different just on your, your individual page where you're just making comments and you're posting cute things as opposed to maybe being able to connect in a specific group like you've created, right? Where people, they want a different type of conversation to happen. And they reach out in those groups because they expect something different from that. I'm just thinking like the type of subject matter that um, you are obviously very comfortable like diving into and helping people with and, you know, just getting in there. Um, you know, there's the nice thing about social media is that there are private groups, right? Where people do feel a lot more comfortable and, and, and confident, um, you know, talking about what's on their mind or things that have been going on for them. And not just those that are maybe feeling down themselves, but also family members that are, you know, associated with something like that that's been going on that really needs support, right? So, um, right. I mean, I think social media is probably a very positive thing in a way, and it's also a negative thing in a way. It's just like anything else. But uh, at least, you know, it really does provide people with the opportunity to, you know, connect with people all over the world that are going through a lot of the same similar right. things. And that's really, really important. I was wondering, like, are there certain things that you suggest to families or to people that are feeling like extremely disconnected, like kind of any how to's or tips and that kind of thing to help get the feeling of connection back? I have to say that I feel like it's really important that we shift the conversations that we're having with our teenagers and our children. Um, I don't know. Do you have children, Sarah? I don't. I only have, well, now only two fur children, so I, I, I don't. Yeah, fur babies. <laughs> I love fur babies. So, so here's how I think that we, we get into this um, habit in life of just being the way that we be in our relationships, in our significant relationships, in our family relationships, even in our business relationships, right? We get into this habit of just being the way we be, and we don't really step back from that and observe it. And I'm inviting moms and inviting dads to step back from the way that they're interacting with their children, interacting with their teenagers. Because here's the real concern and the thing that is very 
serious and and kind of hurts my heart. NAMI, which is the National Association of Mental Illness, released a study a couple months ago, I believe, for the new year. It used to be based on the study that NAMI has done previously that suicide was the third highest cause of death in in kids from age 10 to 17, 10 years old. I couldn't even imagine. The next, the most recent study that NAMI has done, this has become such an epidemic in the United States, in the world, that it is now the second leading cause of death. Second leading cause of death for all of our youth ages 10 to 17. And young men are four times as likely to complete a suicide as a young woman. I couldn't even imagine. As, more lethal means. I couldn't even imagine. I, I hear you. I couldn't even imagine as a 10 year old, like I imagine thinking back about what I was doing when I was 10, you know, just like running around in summers, playing with my friends and different things like that. At 10 year olds, I can't even imagine that being a possibility. You know what I mean? Even if I was extremely depressed at that time, I, Maybe it's just like times have changed, but I don't even know what, do you get what I'm saying? Like, I don't even know like yeah, how I would even approach that, approach that idea. What do you think it is? Like, do you think that it's times are changing in that sense? Like, do you think that like, if we look back even decades ago to a 10 year old and what they were going through, do you think it was the same stuff, but we just didn't know about it? Or like, what do you think is going on? So I, I really believe that there are a few things that have kind of shifted and changed that, okay? When I think about being a 10-year-old, I think about hot scotch and baseball mm-hmm. and tag and think about all of those, you know, like... Simplistic. All of simple, outdoors, playing with other kids, you know, what do our kids do now? iPads, smartphones, the disconnect, games, the disconnect. And so they get very lost in that kind of alternative life style from just being connected to other real human beings. And, you know, financially, it used to be, you know, back, especially I'm a little older than you, (laughs) back when I was a child, that one parent could be home with their kids. Right. And it's just, our, culturally, it's so expensive to get by and pay for the needs of a family. It's really hard to do anymore. So there's less connect time for parents with their kids. And then you throw in that mix the prevalence of bullying and cyberbullying and all of the impact that that's having on our children, right? That they need, they need more connection with human beings more frequently that's real and so one of the things that I really advocate for families to do is for parents to change the conversations that they're having all the time with their children it is it is definitely a habit for a mom to get into this voice get in here and get your work done why haven't you cleaned your room pick these dirty clothes stop picking on your sister you know is your homework done you know all it did you I hear do. the mom voice? I yep. got that down, right? <laughs> so, so we get into the mom voice. 
you think about a child who's 10 or 11 or 12, and if they're being bullied at school, if they're not succeeding well in school, not because they're not trying, but because they need some other tools that they're not getting and they don't know how to find, and mom and dad are busy, which I'm not blaming them, we all are, and if they don't have any real close supportive friends, what do they have? Mm -hmm. We have to find a way to help them reconnect. And, and I love the idea of loving teens back to life because they lose sight of how amazing and incredible and brilliant and capable they are mm -hmm. in all of the struggles that they're having. And when they get really in crisis, we need to understand they're really sick, right? It's just not a mild depression. So when they're really disconnecting, they really need a different level of care. So have studies shown then, obviously you follow the studies, so have studies shown that the, the young suicide rate has gone up, like, realistically, like, in the last 12 years? Like, is that, is that basically, like, when it really started, or was it still happening before? Because you were saying about your childhood, but my childhood was pretty much the same, just, you know, doing other simplistic things, right? Um, right. But still connecting a lot with other children and that type of thing. But I'm wondering, like, you know, since the whole idea of iPads and cell phones and alternate, alternate reality games and just all this kind of stuff, like, is that when it really happened? Or was it happening yeah. before, too? I believe it was happening before, but not with the rate that it's occurring now. Definitely. I mean, you think about the NAMI study, just to have that shift from it being the third highest leading cause of death to the second highest, like that is so, it's scary. And what was the other causes of death? Like the other, the first and the third? Um, you know, I would have to look back at that illness, right? Like childhood illnesses and accidents of all kinds, right? come in there in the first and second but now really like the idea that these young people are choosing they're choosing mm -hmm. one out of one out of every two teenager that dies yeah and at that young an age and so i'm really focusing on reaching out to mothers right now i know what it was like for me as a mother struggling with a difficult teenager and so I have searched and searched and searched for answers for mothers you know we we get so overwhelmed as women we we take so much on our shoulders and I believe that moms are doing a good job generally they really care about their kids they really try hard they really want to do a good job for their children but there are things that I know as a therapist that they can shift that will make a significant difference in the connection they have with their children and their teenagers. Well, I would love to ask you a couple, well, I'd love to ask you what a couple of those things are, maybe even just like little tiny tips and tricks that people can start implementing that are listening right now. But for that, I want to ask you, and this is more of a personal question, so I understand if you don't want to answer. However, um, 
looking back now to your son that passed away, do you feel that you can really see like the, the disconnect with him? Like that disconnect that we've been talking about? Like, was he really into games and, you know, like that kind of thing? Yes. Yes. And I didn't really, um, I didn't really know how to reach him. Mm-hmm. Um, I went through a divorce at a time where David really needed to connect to his father and his father left. Mm. So there were so many things, so many variables. Factors. But I, I look back and I, I think I waited too long. And that's really hard for me as a mother to admit. I waited too long. And so my real concern is to reach out to mothers. You know, we all know teenagers are difficult. They're moody. Their life is changing. They're trying to figure out how to grow up. Like, we, we decide that at 18, they should know how to be an adult, which is like crazy, right? <laughs> because they don't. But there's so much that they're trying to get a handle on and understand about life mm-hmm. and about relationships and about themselves and about everything, right? And so we just look at it like, oh, if they're having problems, they're just being a moody teenager. Mm-hmm. But that's not really the truth. And, I and we, need, we need to be willing. We need to be willing. Like, which is more important, right? Like, going to the doctor and finding out that you're coughing and hacking is just a cold and you don't have pneumonia. Yay! So you can just take care of the cold. Or would you rather wait until you have walking pneumonia and they have to put you in the hospital before you go to the doctor? Right. You see what I mean? Just even that idea of them knowing that you're there, right? I mean, it's it's incredibly strong. I know a lot of teenagers, if you ask them, would probably say that they don't have anybody, right? But realistically, that's probably not the case. Um, and, you know, in a lot of situations. Um, and they really just need a reminder because I remember when I was a teenager, you know, Um, I mean, things weren't horrible, but things weren't also great um, family life related, right? And I remember trying to like navigate each day, (laughs) however it was. And, um, you know, things could have gone dark for, for me for sure. But I remember, and this might sound a little funny especially on the side. And I also remember having an extremely um, strong relationship with nature. And I know that that might sound a little bit off topic, but it's, don't you feel that that's also like a very strong piece? Having a strong relationship with nature and just like the idea of the universe and you know, what, what, what we're all here for kind of thing too. I do. I do. And, and we, we teach our teenagers how to be in this world. So as moms, if we're so busy that we aren't taking time for ourselves, we aren't feeding our own soul, we aren't loving ourselves in our own life, there isn't any way for our teenagers to learn how to do that, mm-hmm. really. And we can change that. We, we set the example for them. They really do pay attention. I mean, I know that parents really feel like, oh, my gosh, the only thing that matters in the life of my teenage son or daughter is their boyfriend or their girlfriend or their friends or their social life. But you are the foundation of that. Mm-hmm. 
it's kind of like a toddler when they start to learn to walk and they wander away from mom, but they always check back in, right? They're always coming back to make sure that their, that their center of safety exists. And believe it or not, yeah, their center of safety is their mom, is their dad, is their home. Mm-hmm. Always. And believe it or not, teenagers do the same thing. They need you to be the center of their safety. Even, and it's hard to do, right? When you're fighting and you're arguing and they're fussing and they're difficult. But when you're struggling in your life, you have attitude. <laughs> but it's not okay for them to have attitude. How are they supposed to know how they can safely express their frustration and their irritation and their depression if you just keep telling them not to be mouthy or you keep telling them to be more respectful or you keep telling them that they need to just be happier? So I'd love to take this into a little bit more of a creative focus. And so I have this question for you. I've always, okay. been, I've always been a really big believer that if the world was able to express themselves creatively, the world would be a much more harmonious place. So, you know, I always think about like different countries that are in turmoil at war. I'm pretty sure they're not, you know, allowed to have freedom of speech half the time, let alone paint with a paintbrush, draw, all that kind of stuff, right? Because creativity is really a way to feel heard. Even if you are by yourself, it's a way to feel heard by the, by the universe. Do you feel that um, the number of children that are experiencing these types of thoughts, right? Um, Darker thoughts. (laughs) Um, Do you feel that it's possible that they also are not exercising their creativity as much? Well, I don't even think they're exercising their body enough. Right? Which is a form of creativity, right? Like even movement. Yeah. So, so energy negative energy, um, heavy energy, however you want to term that, anger, frustration, depression, sadness, overwhelm, all of those things, energy sits in our body. Sits in our body. And being out in nature, moving our body, moves that energy through us. Having the ability to safely express anger, frustration, hurt, moves that energy out of our body so that we can heal. Mm. So yes, there are many artistic expressions that really help with that, to release that, to help us understand that, right? Um, Painting, dance, music, writing, Mm -hmm. you know, all these different kinds of expressions. And we've gotten into this public school thing where they just learn and take tests. They memorize and they put it out on paper. And, and I feel like we've lost a lot of that. We've lost a lot of that um, creative space. That where they can really... Yeah, where they can really understand themselves, they can really connect with themselves, and they can really figure out how they're kicking and what helps them and what doesn't help them and what they can do about it. And, and, and so I love, I love working with families and helping them learn new tools. 
when I hear, you know, different friends and things like that that have younger children, I hear a lot about um, the different types of education and school systems that there are you know, they're implementing for, for younger children, right? So uh, there's a lot of outdoor schools now for young kids. There's, um, you know, different kind of creative programs and things like that that they're implementing into uh, just even daycare, childcare, that kind of thing. But strangely, and I might totally be out of the loop here, but it feels like from what I'm hearing that a lot of the um, high school education or you know secondary education that kind of thing are they're they're missing it they're like they're they're it's being taken away which is i find really really strange um you know what i mean like taking away music music within the school taking away um a lot of creative you know art classes that type of thing right and focusing specifically on um academics academics which is just like <laughs> it's great but it's also not expressive whatsoever so it seems like there's just so many different factors here that are coming into play like all at the same time and are not necessarily positive right right and so i think that it's it's a really it's really important that we that we pull our kids back into real interaction with real people <laughs> that they um, learn real skills to, to express, to express their emotion, to work through the things that they're struggling with, to gain the support and feel like they're not alone. Mm -hmm. Right. To, to know how to voice what they really need. And if they can't voice to the parents who are the center of their safety what they really are feeling and needing, where are they going to do that? Who, who's going to hold that space for them? Yeah. And, and I believe strongly that I've been very successful in helping parents and teenagers and kids have different kinds of conversations that build their relationship and make them strong. Because here's the thing that I really, really, really believe. What happens when a, teen a teenager hears you tell them all the time the things that they need to be better at or they need to get done or they need to stop doing or they need to whatever, right, then they feel like they're the problem. It's their fault. They've got to figure out how to do better at school. They've got to figure out how to be better as a person. They've got to figure out how to solve all their problems. And they're, they're a kid. They're a kid in a big body. They don't know all the answers. Mm -hmm. And we don't know all the answers. But we somehow expect them to know all the answers. We're still figuring it out ourselves. So how about we do this? How about we shift the conversations with our teenagers? How about we open space for them to really express how they're doing and how they're feeling what they need from us? And how about we be the team? Let's let mom and dad or, you know, single parent, mom or dad, whatever, right? Let's let the parent and the teenager or the parent and the child be the team against the problem. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because I was going to ask you, you know, what are some of the signs that people can look for, you know, even as you know, if they have a very young child, even say like 10, 11 years old, but I wanted to rephrase that and say that maybe the answer is just not looking for signs. And it's actually 
continuously checking in with your children, right? And continuously like, you know, um, uh, fortifying that support that you, that you have for them. Get curious about what they love and why they love it. And don't be so busy, you know, worrying about if it's wrong or it's right or it's okay or it's not. But could you just be interested? Mm-hmm. Could you just be interested and hear them out so that they don't shut down? So they really feel like it's safe for them to open up and be heard. Um, I'm recreating my online Facebook group for moms with kids in crisis. I want to create a community where mothers can come and there will be actual support for each other and support from me and actual real information and help in in traversing this really difficult space with our teenagers. But you can also find me um, on Facebook and my website, Healing Hearts and Homes. HealingHeartsAndHome.org is the website, Healing Hearts and Homes on Facebook. Right. And I'm so excited to be able to share, you know, as, as we go forward with this group and with this program, so excited to be able to share some, because I know we're really busy, right? We're all really busy. And it doesn't take hours and hours and hours and hours. It takes setting time aside and focusing on rebuilding and reconnecting those relationships. And I'm so excited to be able to share some ways that people can do that. Well, thank you so much for listening to this podcast episode. I realize that it's not the most upbeat and magical topic, but it is a topic and a focus that people do need to be aware about, and especially parents. So if you are a parent and you are not having the the best time with your child right now, or you're looking for some insight, or even just preventative maintenance in that sense, please definitely reach out to Melanie Brown. Um, this is what she does for a living. She you know, has seen all sides of everything and she really wants to help parents, especially mothers, you know, not have to go through what she's been through, right? That is her her beacon, that is her, her golden light of what she is sharing to the world. And she's such an amazing, wonderful person. So if this podcast was helpful to you in any way, or you think a friend might resonate with it, could you please share it with them? I think that that would be an amazing, beneficial thing. And um, yeah, so thank you so much again.